You're listening to App State Sports Weekly. Welcome to App State Sports Weekly. Alongside Pierre Banks, I'm Damian Banks. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, gather round. Because the Mountain Man and the Jag Man are back in town. Pierre, what's happening, bro? Everything is everything. I'm truly blessed, big bro. Got the temperatures in the 60s in the high country. We went from, as you call it, long john weather to summertime around here. It feels beautiful outside. What's going on in the city of medicine? App State Nation, what's really good? It's your boy Damian Banks again. I'm in the Bull City. Pierre is in Boone. You said it's in the 60s up there in Boone. Down here, it is in the 70s. Feeling lovely. (laughs) Yeah, man. So another day. Another coaching change around here, man. If you hadn't heard, Mr. Ken Dorsey, who has spent some time in the NFL as a a quarterback coach with the Carolina Panthers, has been blessed with the position with the Buffalo Bills. Same role. He'll be taking his talents to Buffalo, New York. And I ain't mad at him because if I got a call from Buffalo right now, I'd be headed to my truck as we speak. But what does that do? For App State's recruiting, what does that do for the running backs? That was the position that he was coaching here at App. Well, Pierre, when you lose coaches, you know, spur of the moment like Coach Drink was just did. I mean, what you got to do is what you do when you lose talent that goes, you know, that goes pro or graduates. You reload. You find someone who could do that position. I mean, it's like next man up mentality and there are going to be other opportunities for other coaches to come into the high country and coach. And Coach Drink was just, all he has to do is, you know, put out a flyer, put out a filler and it's going to have tons of coaches looking to fill those positions. App State is the place that a lot of people want to be. So I'm sure that Coach Drink is going to have no problem filling those positions. And that speaks to Coach Drink's credibility that he's so talented, he's so well respected that the guys he's bringing in, they're already getting jobs at you know, that the next level, they're already getting jobs at the University of Washington. These are talented, quality men that he's bringing onto the mountain. And that just speaks to Coach Drink's credibility and his name speaking volumes in the collegiate coaching rank. Yeah, Coach Drink, as you all know, he came from NC State, was the main play caller, offensive coordinator at NC State. So he knows the coaching fraternity. The coaching fraternity is not that big. You know, if you just from the outside looking in, you're looking at all these schools and all these coaches. But in the grand scheme of things, the coaching fraternity is not that big. And they all go to coaches' conferences. They all interact with each other at bowl games and things of that nature. So Coach Drink, he probably has a list of potential coaches that he can hire given an assistant coach's leave for another job or whatever the case may be. So I don't think it's going to be all that difficult for Coach Drink to fill those positions. But again, you got to find the right person for those positions. I have full confidence in Coach Drink bringing that right person in to whatever coach position that comes open at Appalachian State. And with the wide receivers, we all know that Coach Drink brought in Pat Washington, formerly of the University of South Carolina, where he worked with tight ends. Coach Washington actually played quarterback at Auburn played with Bo Jackson as his running back. I got the chance to spend time with Coach Washington down at the University of South Carolina. I was working at academics. He, of course, working on the staff down there. Good quality guy. And and Coach Drink just continues to find that talent, but more importantly, better men. Yeah, of course, Coach Drink is going to be 
having a coaching search for those vacancies. But again, I'm just reiterating, I don't see a problem with them filling those vacancies. You're looking at a, a program who is not just on the rise, but has gone to the top of the Sunbelt Conference, one of the better group of five teams in the country they're coming off of another bowl win another conference championship you want to be at Appalachian State University if you're a potential coach not only if you're a potential coach but if you're a potential student athlete now how does the coaching changes affect recruiting well I got a chance to sit down with David Weir who runs App State Mania the website that has everything comprehensive about App State football recruiting. He was kind enough to take a few minutes with me to talk a little bit about what can App State Nation expect from the upcoming recruiting class, who are some names to look out for, and the impact that these coaching changes may have on recruiting. So let's get into it with my man David Ware right here on the official podcast of App State Athletics, App State Sports Weekly. pleased to be joined by David Ware, recruiting guru, knows everything that goes on between App State recruiting, joining me right now on App State Sports Weekly. David, thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, Pierre, it's always great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. So you have been around this App State recruiting thing for quite some time now, and you've seen different coaches come, different coaches go, but this is kind of a a completely new thing that we're looking at right now, David, as you know, the Jerry Moore coaching tree has pretty much been in effect for the better part of uh, 20, maybe even 30 years now. Now with this new coaching staff coming in, did it affect the way that App State was able to sign people during the early signing day back in December? I don't really think it had a huge effect uh, in, in December, Pierre. You know, the reality was that we had one we had one committed player who decided to uh, to wait until February to to make his decision. He just wanted to see what kind of staff was put into place, and and I, all indications are right now that he's very comfortable with where things have gone, and he's going to end up signing as well. Uh, we did lose uh, a handful of recruits um, to Power Five programs that came in late and made. The those offers to them, and you know, in truthfulness, uh, even if, if Scott Satterfield and that entire staff had still been here at that point, I don't know that that would have changed that outcome. So, you know, the truth be told, we, we signed nine uh, prospects in December. Um, one was a late commit, but the rest of those guys had all been committed since you know, going back to maybe June and uh, and July timeframes. And you know, the staff that was left at that point, because we do have a few guys that, that held over. Sean Clark, Justin Watts, DJ Smith, and Greg Gasparato all remained. Those guys did an incredible job of holding that class together. Uh, new head coach Eli Drinkwitz came in, and, and Eli did a, a great job of becoming very active in contacting those kids, getting in touch with them. Because, you know, as you think back to the timeline, Eli was hired roughly one week before. 
before that December signing date. There wasn't a lot of time there to kind of pull everything back together. So that became one of Eli's very early uh, initial commitments to to the job, was making sure that he was talking with those players and getting them comfortable with the, the direction of things going forward. So uh, that's a long answer to your, your original question. <laughs> they really did a great job of holding that December signing date together um, and, and signing those nine players was a really, really big accomplishment. Now, we, we know what the former staff and the staffs before those guys, what they did as far as recruiting goes. They always look for someone that fit the App State mold, the App State family. Is it too early to tell or can you get a beat on if Coach Drink's cup of tea, so to speak, matches or comes anywhere close, or is it just all the way different from what we've seen in the past? Well, you know, I think there are two ways you look at that, really. Um, the first is you, you always look at the kid off the field. So things like uh, academic performance, character issues, uh, things that only coaches can tell you about high school coaches, um, those things are going to continue to be important. Look, Appalachian State is a very good academic institution. Uh, There's no skating through at App State. Uh, You've got to do the work. You've got to be willing to do the work. You've got to have the capacity to do the work. And those are always things that they will continue to prioritize. And there will be a certain level of, of, of student athlete and, and emphasis on student in that case that they will have to they will have to prioritize because you know there, there are certain academic demands that have to be met uh, character wise you know everybody wants to have good people in the locker room and uh, I, I really don't see those things changing you know now the other the other element to this is you talk about the type of player physically on the field that you're looking for. And a lot of that really depends on the schemes that you're running, offensively, defensively, what the requirements are, what the position skill sets need to be. And, you know, I think those things are going to be a little bit of a wait-and-see scenario. Um, You know, I don't think you're going to see massive wholesale changes in the way we're doing things because, frankly, let's face it, those things have worked very, very well and worked well for a long time. So, you know, I I don't know that necessarily we're going to see everything change in terms of the mold that you're looking at for certain players in certain positions. But I'm sure there will be some changes. Um, you know, and, and those are things that we'll just have to watch, uh, especially as spring ball starts. And you know, we'll have to see what kind of uh, defensive scheme uh, defensive coordinator Ted Roof really wants to run. There's been a lot of talk about a multiple front, uh, which you and I know could be it could be three, could be four sometimes. You can bring guys up out of the second level of the defense, make it look like a different front. You know, there are all sorts of ways to address that. What they actually put on the field is, you know, it's what we'll have to watch. And then from there, we can start making some assumptions about the types of players that they'll need to recruit going forward. But, you know, you're, you're always going to be dealing with other Power 5 programs, other G5 programs. You know, the recruiting landscape doesn't change very much for Appalachian State, regardless of who's sitting in the head coach's chair. Now, what about this 2019 recruiting class impresses you the most? Well, you know, I think the first thing you have to understand about the 2019 class is that it is an unusually small recruiting class. uh, And that's really uh, directly related to the fact that we've got a small graduating senior class uh, coming off the football program this year. There were only about 
somewhere in the in the range, let's call it, you know, this because this could change with uh, fifth year guys who decide to or not to continue playing. Let's call it somewhere around fifteen uh, seniors that are graduating, which is an unusually small class, and that means the recruiting class that you're going to bring in is also going to correspond to that because you know there are only so many scholarships available. Um, so the, the the small class means a couple of things. Number one, you can really really get into um, evaluating players a lot more closely. You've got less relationships that you have to manage because the class is smaller. And that means that the quality of the, the players that you're bringing in, you expect it to really, really be high quality. Uh, you, you really can't afford a lot of misses because you're only bringing in somewhere in the range of around 15 players. Uh, that's the number one thing about it. I think the, you know, the next thing about it is um, you can get pretty selective about the positions you're recruiting to. So you know, we've got a defensive line group that goes three players deep, really all the way across that three-man front. Uh, Because we've got that much depth, we didn't really need to go out and get aggressive finding a lot of defensive linemen, but we could find one or two that really fit what we do, and and we had success with that. So, you know, I think that you're going to see a group that is smaller in overall number, but the quality of each player that's coming in is going to be really, really high because you were able to really focus in on a smaller number of guys. You know, it's, a, it's much different than having to go out and try to, you know, sign a, a 23, 24, 25-man signing class. We're talking with David Weir from App State Mania, your recruiting source for all things App State football. Before we let you get out of here, Give us a name or two that App State Nation really needs to be on the lookout for. Well, you know, it's it's hard to really isolate just a couple of these guys. I think there there's a lot of excitement uh, around this particular class. One of the things that you always keep an eye on is how many of these young men are able to enroll at Appalachian State early here at the at the break, so that they actually are students at App State starting in this first semester. Then they're able to go through spring ball and all the workouts and everything associated with that, that gives those guys a really great head start on their football careers at Appalachian State. You've got a you know, you've got six guys there uh, that you can you could really consider as potentially high impact guys. Um, uh, Jordan Heilig is a uh, is an inside linebacker from Concord, North Carolina. Um, Jordan is an incredibly high performer. He was one of literally the nation's top tacklers this season uh, at Concord High School. So uh, he's a guy that averaged nearly 16 tackles per game. Wow. Uh, and as a former linebacker yourself, I'm sure you understand better than anybody how tough it is to rack up those kinds of numbers. So Absolutely. Uh, Jordan is a guy that is very active, and you know, with the graduation of Anthony Flory at one of those inside linebacker spots, I think he's a guy who can come in and make some noise really early on uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. On the on the offensive side of the ball, um, you're always you're always prioritizing offensive linemen, and we're still out there looking for a couple of those guys. But as far as uh, as early enrollees go. Deshaun Davis is a slot receiver from uh, from the South Florida area. He's down at Deerfield Beach, 
And um, one of the things I really like about watching Deshaun's film is he's not a big guy. Uh, you know, we, we list him in our site at around 5'9", 160 pounds. But he plays with about 200 pounds worth of attitude. Uh, you, you know how those South Florida guys are. Man, they get after it down there. It's a competitive place to play football, and this kid has got a chip on his shoulder. He's ready to prove himself uh, all the time when he's out there, and I know he's greatly looking forward to getting on the field in spring ball. Um, and, of course, you know there's, there's opportunity to play at that slot. Uh, Malik Williams is certainly back as a starter, but with um, with some some space opening up behind him, with Dominique Heath finishing up his career here, there's a there's a chance to get on the field. So he's looking forward to being here and competing. And I'll tell you, he is a, a an ultra competitive guy. I think people are going to really enjoy watching him play. He's David Ware operates the App State Mania page on 247sports.com. Your source for all things App State recruiting as far as football goes. David, thank you so much for the time. What do you say we let the dust settle for a few weeks? Then we'll have you back on, man. Yeah, we've got a, we've got February 6th signing day coming up, and uh, there's going to be plenty to talk about. I've got a couple of commitments just this past weekend from a group that had come up for official visits. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot more activity that's going to take place between now and uh, three weeks from now. All right. Well, we'll take your verbal commitment to be back on the show to talk about all that, sir. I'm all yours. <laughs> Thanks so much, David. Thanks, Pierre. So there you have it. Recruiting didn't take too much of a hit with the coaching changes coming in. Coach Sat exiting, Coach Drink coming in. They were able to get a lot of those players that they sought after so vehemently. Yeah, with a coaching change, especially late in the season, close to the early signing day, you may lose some recruits. But again, Appalachian State is one of the premier group of five teams in the country. So if you're a recruit, you're looking at it like this. Okay, the coaches and staff that was recruiting me, they've gone on to another school, but do I still go to Appalachian State? If, you, if you're going to Appalachian State simply for sports, then why not? If you're going for sports and academics, then yes, I'm just going to say H-E double hockey sticks, yes. But if you're going for coaches, you may not want to go, but if you're going for a system, Coach Drink's system is one of the top scoring offenses in the country. If you look at what he did at NC State with Ryan Finley, who's going to be a top draft pick. If you're an offensive lineman, Bradbury at NC State, he's going to be a top draft pick. Jacoby Myers, Kelvin Harmon, wide receivers at NC State, they're going to be top draft picks. So if you're a potential wide receiver, quarterback, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, NC State stays with defensive lineman in the NFL, you want to come to Appalachian State because that same fire on the recruiting trail that Drink brought for NC State, he's got it now in the high country. Things are looking up as far as the 2019 recruiting class goes excited to see how those guys will be integrated into coach Drink's system excited to see how the current players will be integrated into that same system with spring ball just over the horizon but that's going to do it for the first segment here on the official podcast of app state athletics app state sports weekly got to take a short break we're back with more right after this What's up, App Nation? Braxton Critcher here, host of The Warm-Up on WATA. That's AM 1450 and 96.5 on the FM. And my co-host is Pierre Banks. Each week, we dive into the hot topics of Mountaineer sports, welcome in the biggest names and players. And unlike this podcast, we
we expose some of Pierre's weaknesses. It's each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on WATA 96.5 FM. And you can also check out the podcast. Share it to our Twitter each week. It's at WATA Warmup. And we are back on App State Sports Weekly alongside Pierre Banks. I am Damian Banks. Shameless plug. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Sports by Damian. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-B-Y-D-A-I-M-E-O-N. And you can follow me at Pierre M. Banks. And now, Damian, it's about that time for us to get into the Mountaineer scoreboard for the week. First up, we'll start with the women's basketball program, who started out a little slow on Thursday of last week as they traveled down to the state of Louisiana to take on the Louisiana teams in the Sunbelt Conference. First up was the Raging Cajuns. The women dropped that basketball game 73 to 55, but bounced back in a major way on Saturday, downing ULM 80 to 58. Maddie Story had 16 points in that one, and Bailey Plummer had 16 herself to go along with 10 huge rebounds. Men's basketball had a fantastic week as they took on the Louisiana teams in the Holmes Convocation Center. Started out on Thursday against Louisiana, picking up what can only be described as a huge win, 104-77 over the Cajuns. Tyrell Johnson came up big for the App State Mountaineers, 20 points in that one. Then on Saturday, they took on ULM. Very exciting game from start to finish. Sophomore Justin Forrest did his T-H-I-N-G, 32 points. He was doing it on the defensive end as well. And the Mountaineers were able to get a huge defensive stand on the final possession with the big cat, Hunter Seacat, getting a huge block and then a tip out to run out the time on the Warhawks, picking up a pivotal 85 to 84 Sunbelt victory. Then as we take a look at women's tennis, they were at home on Sunday taking on an old foe, Western Carolina, and the Mountaineers took that match six to one, led by Kate Earnhardt and Rebecca Morse, who both had doubles and singles victories on Sunday. Then we take a look at the track and field program. Both the men and the women were competing at the Buccaneer Track and Field Invitational this past weekend down at ETSU. The men were led by Tristan Shaver, who congratulations to that young man. He set a school record in the pole vault by clearing 17 feet and .75 inches. Unbelievable. Shout out to him. And then Felissa Greeley led the women by winning the one-mile run. She finished with a time of 4 minutes, 57.33 seconds. That's good enough for sixth all-time in program history. And then finishing up with John Mark Bentley and company of the wrestling program, they had a tremendous win in Varsity Gym, knocking off heated rival the Chattanooga Mocs. 21 to 14 it came down to the very end the Mountaineers held a very very slim lead but Michael Elliott for the Mountaineers came up big and ended the duel with a sudden victory takedown Mountaineers took it again 21 to 14 and that's going to do it this week for the Mountaineer scoreboard now I toss it over to big bro Damien to do the honors and take us around the state yes sir 
Let's start with the NC State Wolfpack, who are struggling to say the least as of late. The Wolfpack have fallen out of the top 25 rankings after putting on a miserable performance at home versus 12th ranked Virginia Tech. The Wolfpack shot just 2 of 28 from behind the arc and 16.7% from the floor as a whole, scoring just 24 points as they fall to the Hokies by the 47 to 24 score. The Wolfpack fall to 16 and 6 overall, 4 and 5 in ACC play. The UNC Tar Heels are trying to avenge an earlier home loss against Louisville on the road this past Saturday. Senior Luke May scored a game-high 20 points and grabbed 11 rebounds, while Cam Johnson knocked down five of nine three-pointers on his way to 19 points in a 79-69 Tar Heel win. With the victory, UNC improves to 17-4 overall, 7-1 in ACC play. The Duke Blue Devils had an out-of-conference tilt this past weekend as they welcomed St. John's to Cameron Indoor Stadium. Zion Williamson dropped 29 points and fellow freshman R.J. Barrett had 15 points and 14 rebounds as the Blue Devils cruised to a 91-61 victory. With the win, Duke improved to 19-2 overall and 7-1 in ACC play. And lastly, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons had a road game at Clemson this past Sunday. The Demon Deacons fell by the 64-37 score. Shonda Brown had 12 points in the loss for Wake Forest, who fall to 8-13 overall, 1-8 in ACC play. And that was our whip around the state. Excellent job per use, big bro. We really appreciate the updates, man. Basketball season is in full tilt. And I tell you what, the Mountaineer basketball programs have been looking very, very good lately. Men's basketball on a three-game winning streak. Seems like once they got over that hump and got that first Sun Belt victory and first road victory of the season, they hadn't turned back, and, and they're playing their best basketball of the season. Yes, sir. Really happy for head coach Jim Fox and the basketball team, the men's team. They've been struggling, but again, Pierre, once you once you get that first win, it's a mental thing a lot of times in sports and in life in general. Once you mentally are successful in your mind, then you can implement whatever plan you're trying to execute. So kudos to those guys. The women, they've been playing well all season. You know, I love Angel Elderkin. She's a, a cancer survivor. You know, cancer is near and dear to my heart. Everyone has someone who's been affected by cancer. So I'm always going to pull for head coach Angel Elderkin. So the women's program doing big things this season as well. And when you look at the men, I've always felt that the cog that makes the wheel spin has got to be Tyrell Johnson. Whenever he plays well, the Mountaineers are going to win the basketball game. He can fill it up offensively, do it inside, outside. He's got so much length, so much athleticism, and he's your best on-ball defender. This Mountaineer team goes as Tyrell Johnson goes. And then on the women's side of things, they just continue to get better and better with every game and that depth this year has just been tremendous for them. They've been able to have a lot more energy getting out in transition and on the defensive end and with the addition of Ashley Polachek to facilitate things, Maddie Story getting back in the lineup. They have just had a tremendous season and I fully expect for them to continue that and possibly finish in the top five or even top three in the Sun Belt Conference. But that's going to do it this week for us here on App State Sports Weekly. Thank you so much App State Nation as always for joining us right here on AppStateSports.com. For my big bro Damien, I'm Pierre. We'll holla at you. We gone!